Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And I've got a special treat both for you and for me because I was able to get together with Aaron and Tyler from Blake Street Banter and talk about the Colorado Rockies draft. I absolutely needed to get some guys on here uh, who know what they're talking about when it comes to this stuff. Uh, as you'll see, I've got a, a very surface level analysis of the draft. As I've done this job over the years, the more time I spend down at 20th and Blake, the less time I have to spend uh, you know, analyzing and scouting high school and college players uh, throughout the country and, and even sometimes following the minor leagues, right? Uh, I don't, I just don't have uh, the, the time and focus on that as much as I used to, though with the state of the major league team, I'm going to have to do more and more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to shift that a little bit, I think, over the next couple of years. But that's why I wanted to get these guys on. They've been doing fantastic stuff. We're, um, we're, they're going to get several shout outs in here, but I, I want to make sure that if you are following along for the future of this team, if you're really plugged into where's this team going to be a year from now, two years from now, three, four, five years from now, their show on Mondays, it just make it a part of your routine. It, you're, the people who are listening to this, the Rockies fans who really want to know and don't just want to scream at ownership every single day, their show, Blake Street Banter, is now basically must watch, must listen. They're great. They have a lot of fun. I think they do a fair job of critiquing the organization, uh, certainly probably more than somebody like me is going to, but also doing it in a fair way and doing it in a data-driven way, being open to conversation. So I can't any more highly recommend that if you're listening to this and you haven't yet made Blake Street Banter a part of your regular Rockies routine, listening to this show, going on Twitter, whatever you do, make them a part of it. Uh, they're great on Twitter. Lots of fantastic information that I'm often getting from them as they crystallize certain statistics. And I'll, I'll use that here on the show. So yeah, all that said, you know, it was a busy week for the Rockies and a whole lot of stuff going on. I was more focused on the all-star game. These guys were plugged in on the draft. So let's talk to them about it. Without any further ado, here are the guys from Blake Street Banter and our breakdown of the Colorado Rockies draft. All right, I am here with Tyler Pador and Aaron McBride of Blake Street Banter to talk about the Colorado Rockies 2023 first year MLB players after whatever the whole title <laughs> of that thing is. We're not talking international players today. Uh, just the draft. First of all, guys, you've been doing phenomenal work lately. So I just wanted to give a shout out to you. Appreciate that. Everyone's following you on Twitter. Give us the plugs. We'll do fuller plugs at the end, but tell uh, the people a little bit about what Blake Street Banter is and where Rockies fans can find it. Yeah, so Blake Street Banter is a COVID baby, so to speak. <laughs> um, me and a few buddies uh, started it as a Rockies pod just for fun. Let's kill some time. We have all of it. And then it kind of evolved to prospects, Rockies prospects. Tyler reached out like, yo, I want to do stuff for you all. We're like, yes, please. Fantastic writer, fantastic dude. And then he gets this Christmas this time every year <laughs> in, uh, with the draft. Yeah. So dude man's doing doing work on the behind the scenes with Blake Street Banter um, on the Twitter is where all the stuff is. And he's got some stuff coming out soon. I know this is a draft pod. So putting that out there that all the work is not me right now. This is all Tyler <laughs> doing this and I'm supporting him the best I possibly can. Yeah, this was my my second round doing the draft live tweeting on the BSB account. It's it's definitely a blast because I it was the second draft that I had access to, um, you know, some some data in that 
enhanced the experience for me a lot. And I'm, I'm glad I'm able to share a lot of that with, um, you know, the Rockies fan base because you just see names and you can look at, you know, ERA or a batting average and it doesn't tell right. the full story. So I'm really glad we're able to give uh, a little bit more comprehensive coverage. And, and again, I just enjoy that so much. So, um, whether or not we got everybody following along, it is, it's a great time. So this, this was a really fun year. I'm, I'm so sad it's over already. <laughs> right right yeah i guess so right that was like your super bowl your your christmas like Aaron was saying right that's like your your big moment of the year and now it's just well now, now you've got to follow along with who gets signed right with with yep. you know you got to make sure everyone comes in that's always a fun day when they bring the 18 and 19 year olds down to coors field <laughs> put them in big league jerseys and some of them like gabe hughes uh and uh who was the other one last year? I think Jordan Beck looked like just children. <laughs> I was like, man. Uh, but in just a few years. Um, so, yeah, like I was saying, you guys do phenomenal coverage of the minor leagues as well. It's not just draft coverage, right? You're, you're following all of these prospects. For years, that was some of my favorite part of covering the Rockies. Uh, I don't get to do it nearly as often as I'd like to anymore. But you do learn a lot of things like – I met now all-star Carlos Estevez, uh, you know, five, six years, and he was never a prospect prospect, right? So you guys talk about those types of guys on your Mm -hmm. show, someone who's not going to show up on a list, not going to be a big name, but could very much be an important contributor for the team down the stretch. And the fans who want to know about that type of guy, your show is the place to go right now. Yeah, absolutely. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention Duke Darnell. Like he's <laughs> he's our he's our guy. He's he was the very first one. I mean, our very first interview, very first player interview. He signed as an undrafted free agent back in 2021. And he is just working his way through. And we've been supporting him and following him along. And that's been kind of our niche. Like it's like, all right, let's do this. And like got to talk to Winter Bernard before he became a major leaguer last year. Mm-hmm. That was sweet. Uh Coco Montez is a dog that we've talked to that we absolutely love. And yeah. he's never, never been a top prospect, but dude, man rakes and he needs that recognition. Um, keep an eye out on Zach Acosta, same kind of realm there. So yeah. like you said, we absolutely love those underdog stories and telling those stories. Uh, and that's kind of what we are bread and butter, so to speak. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So that's why I wanted to get you here to talk about the draft. Uh, Tyler, let's start with you since this is your baby and, and we're going <laughs> to dive into it. And also, uh, I, I do want to say for anyone listening, they did this for the first round on their show. So I don't want to do too much repeating, but you do have more information now since you guys did that. That was really just about the first day. I said first round, but the first day of the draft. Uh, so now that the draft is completed, Tyler, grades general feeling. <laughs> Um, so I think for the, for day one, I threw a C plus grade. Now that I've had a little bit of time to let it, to let it bake to, to, to say, yeah. I would say I, I've bumped up to a B minus, maybe a B somewhere in that range. So, so things have changed a little bit. The overall draft, I would definitely put that B on. Um, I think it was, it was not an amazing draft. I think it's hard to ever say such a thing, but. Uh, things really took shape, and and I I like the overall twenty one players that they were able to add. Twenty one, uh, and it's less than it used to be. Isn't that funny? Yeah, twenty new players in your system. Um, 
All right, Aaron, what did you think of the draft overall? Oh, you're muted, I think. Oh, how did you... Oh, uh, it was interesting. My bad. Uh, it was like we talked about it. I was I'm very confused by the compensation around B pick, and we'll probably get into that in a little bit. Yeah. But picking 14 pitchers out of 21 draft picks, um, not including the undrafted free agents. Uh, there's been three since the end. That definitely shows that the Rockies are kind of focusing on that. I mean, we know that the crop of players are very position heavy right now that are coming up with Yankee L and crew um so trying to fill in whatever possible is next with this pitching and it is a mix of pitching we got left-handers we got right-handers we got hard throwers we got uh crafty lefties we got spin rates that are higher that we've ever seen and then we got guys like okay what what did the Rockies see in him that were a little (laughs) so there is a very big diverse feeling to this draft which gets me kind of excited and i'm i'm very optimistic with this like tyler tyler's the negative nancy very analytical looking at it and i'm like all right i can find something here and there and there's some i mean there's always question marks but i dig the fact that they went 14 out of 21 like you're going 66 percent of your draft pick meeting a need that is obvious that needs to be met rockies have a very hard time keeping players healthy especially arm talent uh, I mean, you can go like five, three or four of their top guys in the minors are injury prone, so to right. speak, quote unquote. So billing, being able to fill in that depth with this is very, very good. So I'm giving it, I'm giving it a solid B, B plus. Uh, just, I feel good about it. Yeah. Uh, philosophically, before we get into the specific picks and Tyler and I were talking about this a little bit before the show, but uh, Aaron, I, I think I line up with you in terms of what you were saying on your show about having to emphasize pitching, having to emphasize, not, not even just for this moment in time, because I agree with all of your analysis just now about it's what they need right now. But man, if I was running the Colorado Rockies draft room, I would take 90% pitchers. Um, I have just come to an extreme belief that the team can find position players. They can get position players, trades and free agency and through international draft and through 10th to 15th round draft picks. But we all know (laughs) through their entire history, how difficult it has been to get and keep and grow starting pitching. Right. And as much as I agree, you know, when when I make this point, a lot of times people say, Drew, don't you realize that the Rockies offense is actually worse? Yes, I know. And I've known that for years. You look at their team OPS plus it's worse than their team ERA plus. The difference is you can win. The Rockies have made the postseason twice with a team OPS plus of 90. Their current team OPS plus is 85. So as awful as they are, but the lowest ERA plus they've ever made the postseason with is 108. And their current is 88. So what I so when people say, no, the offense is the bigger problem, it's like, no, the offense is worse. <laughs> The pitching remains the bigger problem because the offense needs five points of improvement and the pitching needs 15 mm-hmm. the way I see it. Right. So that's kind of where I came down. What you just said, when I looked at the draft as someone who wasn't able to follow these specific names super closely, and I'm relying on analysis from folks like you and less Dan O'Dowd, but he's on television. So. <laughs> you gotta so, listen to him, right? Um, that was my biggest takeaway was look at all the arms at least there's a lot of arms. <laughs> right. 
yeah, you got to be able to find some kind of some some gold in this plethora of arms that they've added. And and I know Tyler disagrees with you <laughs> with that. Like we talked about that last last week on our pod. Right. But you, I yeah, I got to echo what you said, and you said it way more elegantly than I did. So. Yeah, I, I feel good being on the same side as you right now. So thank you for that. All right, good. Tyler, why are we wrong? Tell us why. <laughs> well, I will start by saying that was a very persuasive presentation of, of history and data that I think, yes, the pitching has a has a bit more of a ways to go before you're happy with it. And I, I will also say I think I've been jaded by the past few years of health. Uh, they, they've amassed talent and it has stayed healthy, but that is somewhat unrealistic to expect. Uh, my overall standpoint, though, is that that hitting in in its peak can be a lot more valuable than pitching. And like you you acknowledge, the Rockies' offense has been very lackluster, even in the days of having Nolan Arenado and Trevor mm-hmm. Story. And you also had Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMahieu. They would still end up average, a little bit below average. And I think it's time to kind of cure that, get us back to the days of of the Bombers, and just load the lineup with with power and production. Uh, I, I think that the balance they struck this year, it's one I can I can be happy with. They should be very pitching heavy because pitching is always something you need a lot more depth with. And you see basically every team, day three is like 90% pitching, 80% pitching, somewhere in that range. So you're always going to go day three like that. I would have liked another real intriguing bat in the top, uh, you know, the top few rounds, top three or four rounds. We only got one. Uh, and, and Cole Carrick, who Aaron alluded to being somewhat unhappy with. And I, I would have liked a real impact bat there. And I think at that point, I don't know if I would have been so, so negative, um, complaining a bunch. On, on so that's, one. that's where I stand. I think it, they did strike a good balance this year, though. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some of these specific guys. And obviously, we got to talk with the number one overall draft pick. That's how that works. And Chase Dollander. Uh, who I, I will mention, I was, I was pretty upset when the only guy I really did a ton of research on that I ended up liking this draft was Rhett Louder. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted him. And so when, uh, and then I kind of wanted Noble Meyer after that. That was kind of my, well, if they don't get him, go with Noble Meyer, but high school pitcher with better. So that's where I kind of came down on the Chase Dollander thing. But again, that is the depth. That is where my analysis <laughs> ends. <laughs> that is the depth of my ability. You know, again, I'm listening to Dan O'Dowd say, hey, the best <laughs> college pitcher available at this point and the Rockies need pitching. And I went, well, I don't disagree with either of those statements. But what do we think of Chase Dollander, just the player? So I've come around a lot more. I've been starting. We got a draft recap coming out soon. And in and, Writing that, I wanted to look more at these mechanical changes that have been alluded to. I know Thomas Harding got to uh, cover that a little bit. I think it was mentioned on draft night even. Um, and I was like, all right, well, let's see what we've got here. And, and I was able to know the background, right? The issue is that a, a year before this last one, he would have been no doubt top three guy, one of the best mm-hmm. pitchers in the world, right? But he's coming off a down year where particularly the slider has shown almost no efficacy, right? So that's what you're talking about in terms of mechanical. Exactly. So I'm glad you provided that in there. And what what I was seeing was basically him trying to create more torque with his body. Um, he said of himself he was trying to throw harder and, and with more velocity this year. And he did actually increase the velocity of his secondary pitches, including that slider, and perhaps to his downfall. 
So there was just a lot more movement in his body. And you look at his 2022 delivery, extremely clean, no excessive movement. And last year, he I think he walked, I'm not going to get the exact numbers right. I think it was 17 batters in like 90 innings or so, a really good rate. And his whip was like 0.8. It was a it was an incredible season, great command. He didn't have that this year. So if the Rockies can get him, and he acknowledged these uh, shortcomings, if he can come back to being the very simple, uh, simple guy who relies on extreme arm talent, he might be back to that, like you said, the would have been a top three pick in this year's draft if he had stayed in that form. So Chase Dollander, it's a huge fastball. It's mid nineties with, you know, you can put it down in the zone with, with some sink and run, or you can put it up in the zone and have it carry on hitters uh, above their eyes. So not, not literally above their eyes, but above their, their eye level that they're looking for. Sure. So fastball is amazing. The slider has potential. He throws the changeup in the curveball. So if he can get his command back, Yes, you're looking at a top of the rotation profile. Uh, so there's reason to be very excited. Yeah. And the one thing the Rockies don't really have, especially in the farm system, is the strikeout guy, the strikeout starting pitcher that can come in and get seven, eight, nine. Uh, Joe Rock would probably be the closest to that. And hopefully Jaden Hill is getting there soon. Uh, but Chase Dollander, even with his struggles last year, still had 120 strikeouts in 89 innings. So just that being an athlete, knowing what it means to be a pitcher and getting K's is something that can build off of. And then going back to that slider, like Tyler said, is how I'm talking myself into this pick. Um, like I wasn't, I, I just don't know like you, how much you trust the Rockies, but I think they do do well developing pitchers. I think we see some of that with like a Joe rock, so to speak, Jerry candy's doing work up in Spokane, like throwing Carson Palmquist in there. So I think being able to have that talent and then molding that and coming back to 2022 is there. Yeah, it, the only other thing on him that I was curious about was I had heard some people say because he does have some experience and certain polish that he might be quick to the bigs. But now, of course, we're all talking about mechanical adjustments and if he can find the slider back. So I feel like that's kind of a 50-50 situation where like maybe the mentality and his physical body might be ready sooner than other people, but the mechanics have to be there. What What are your thoughts, Tyler, on, you know, if he can be one of those faster riser type of guys. I, you know, you look at these, the post draft summer from now until uh, the end of the minor league season, a lot of these guys, they're first going to report to Arizona to the complex. And a lot of the, the work is going to happen there. And it's going to be like, okay, here's what we need you to focus on. They might keep some guys there and, and figure some things out. So if they can have him come in and, and make those adjustments, take a couple of weeks to, to figure that out. Um, and he's ready to hit the ground running, whether that's at the end of the season, kind of in that, that late August, early September window, um, or it is, um, beginning of next season. He has a chance to, to just be full speed ahead right away. Uh, could take the Gabriel Hughes route we're seeing now where he's already in double A and yeah. you know, he's had some really good outings that put him on the big league radar. So it could be that year and a half timeline from now where it's kind of like by the end of next season, he either has already you know, gotten his opportunity, which I think it's a little unlikely, but that he he'll have a chance to earn a rotation spot in in spring training of 2025. So that is sort of the my expectation. And I, I don't think I'm being optimistic there. I think that is a pretty realistic assessment that 2025, he will be in that top eight starting pitching mix. So yeah, there, there's definitely something there to look forward to. All right. No, yeah, I was really curious about that one. Because again, it was one of those things I heard. 
sort of repeated. So it sounds like this guy could be quick to the bigs and then add a bunch of people coming in and go, not with the, all the problems with the slider. And then, and then it's like, well, that's true, I guess, of everybody, right? Anyone, you're going to have those mechanical issues. Uh, it might take a little longer, but that's that's good information to have. Okay, let's talk to me about Sean Sullivan, left-handed pitcher out of Wake Forest, the Rockies' second overall pick, 46th overall in the draft. I I think it was a sweet pick to get. He's a sidearm lefty at I, I think it's six four, might be six five. No, like so that. it's it's not a, a profile you see very often without even diving into the stuff. Right, that's so already have, weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have size, you have the deception and the the sidearm slot, but he's also he's low to mid nineties already. The fastball got ridiculous results. So you think, oh, it's only low nineties, but the way that again he deceives hitters. And also the the shape of the pitch that he can get it to to rise in and up on hitters, it's really effective. His slider has been amazing. It gets a ton of kind of just. It's not. I don't think you'd quite call it a sweeper, but you, we sweeper has been the buzzword of the Rockies <laughs> season with Justin Lawrence. Yeah. There's a lot of horizontal break. It also drops a little bit too, so that slider could be amazing. And he has a great changeup too. There's really no like weaknesses. The one thing I'll point out is he is kind of a two pitch guy to each side. He is, you know, to the lefties, he is is fastball slider, fastball change up to right-handers almost exclusively. So uh, that's kind of the one downfall. But otherwise, it's a ton of polish already. Um, and I think there's some upside to get to sitting mid-90s. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on the Sullivan. Yeah. I, I like – go ahead. All right. No, the, go you ahead. got Freeland comps and then I'm – I, I, and I'm really big on Carson Palmquist. We're going to talk prospects. That's what we do. Uh, Carson Palmquist, high A Spokane, same, very same, similar arsenal, big strikeout numbers up there, 75 strikeouts in those uh, 52 innings up there for Carson. He's got it figured out in high A. So they seem to have this lefty mold that might be effective. Uh, you got to be a little bit concerned about the velo on the fastball, just like what we see with Kyle Freeland right now. Like, how does that actually play out over the sure. years? However, the arsenal's there. And if you're striking out, that at that rate with that arm slot that frequently at with that fastball, like you can't be mad about that. You can definitely grow from there. I've also always liked the idea of funky arm slots as a potential equalizer for the Coors field effect. Uh, There are a lot of guys over the years, Brian Fuentes, funky arm slot, uh, you know, Gabe white, (laughs) funky arm slot, Steve Reed, funky arm slot, Uh, you know, Pat Neshek, his very short period of time he was here was great Rocky. So I wonder, I wonder about that as well. That'll be interesting to to keep our eyes on. All right, let's do this one. Let's let's knock it out a little bit about Cole Carrick, the one position player they took in the top four picks here. Listed as, and I know you guys had this whole conversation, infielder, outfielder, catcher, Cole Carrick. I, yeah, I think that the way you just described it, it, it shows kind of the confusion there. Um he was drafted as a catcher, although this year at San Diego State, he did not catch a single game, single inning, single pitch, however you want to break it down. He did not catch this year. However, he did have a little bit of experience. He talked about his passion for catching. Um, what he brings, though, is is incredible athleticism, and that includes arm strength. He has a an arm that, you know, I think MLB had it as a 70, so he can throw the ball. And at the combine, the draft combine, I think he hit 102 from the outfield. So it is a, it's a really, really big arm. Uh, he hit 388 in 2022, did not approach that this year, but he puts the bat on the ball a lot. And then the, the speed can take over. So there's a lot to like, but 
limited power, a lot of chase. And then again, he's going to be playing a position he did not play at all this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting what they do with them. Uh, poor man, Varshaw, um, uh, Dalton Varshaw, uh, hmm. see, see how that plays. Uh, I, he is a free swinger, so automatically I went straight to Aaron Shunk, who is a free swinger in his own words. Go find our Vayner session on that. Shameless plug. But I, so I decided to compare Kerrig and Shunk their last two, their last year of college. Um, Shunk had a 6% walk rate, 11% strikeout rate um, in his time. Carriage had a 5% to a 12% strikeout rate. The only thing is Shunk brought a little bit more power than what Carriage did. But Carriage did work through a shoulder injury last year that might affect some of that power. So you got a healthy, a little bit more power. I mean, double digits dongs should be a go for sure thing that he can bring up to the table, but what does he do with that double power and what can he bring with that? So I like the bat to ball skill guys. I think they're more fun to watch a uh, free swinger. Give me all of that, but how does that correlate to production right. and being a major leaguer? But there is some comparison with Aaron Shunk there, which I'm a huge fan of. Unless he shows a ton of aptitude at catcher, I hope they just abandon that idea altogether. You don't want to. You don't want to do that. Like if he's got skill elsewhere, don't force him. <laughs> don't do right. that. As someone who caught, <laughs> don't force people. <laughs> it's terrible. All right, um, let's do just sort of the next grouping. Uh, I just want to hear from y'all after that. Obviously, there's a lot of picks here. Twenty something guys, like we said. So, who are some of your favorite picks after the the first two or three here? So I'll, it'll be pretty proximate to those guys. Fourth rounder, Isaiah Coupe. So you're not going too far down, but I think this was my favorite pick of day two because he is a, he's a spinner. I think I, I don't say that really ever or often about a pitcher. That is what he does. He spins the baseball. I think both breaking balls, the spin rate is over 3000 RPMs. And I don't think the Rockies have a pitcher on their major league team spinning their breaking ball at that rate. And that equates to movement. And when you watch Isaiah Coupe, his slider is, I I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'm lost for words watching. It is a ton of break. And all three of his secondary pitches this year, curveball, slider, and changeup, their whiff rate was all over 50%. Now that's not going to stick in the pros. But if you, see a, if you were to see a 50% whiff rate in the pros, it would be a very good pitcher and an incredible pitch. So he is low 90s, and the fastball got beat quite a bit this year. But when he threw it down, it has more of a sinking kind of profile to it. And you see a lot of college pitchers, their their coaching staff doesn't really game plan to their strengths as well as they could. His fastball was being placed up in the zone. It was getting hit a lot. When it was down in the zone, it was a ground ball machine. And you mix that with those incredible breaking balls, I think there is a very solid back-end starter profile here. Um, again, I thought he was going to be gone a little bit before that. So it's not not a super late pick, but I, I think it was really good value to get Coupe, a lefty. Nice. I like that. I like that. Aaron, you got any you like? I like Coupe a lot. You kind of stole my thunder there. Um, <laughs> I like – there's some deep sleepers. Cade Denton is a good one. I like him out of Oral Roberts. Uh uh, Bryson Hammer out of D, uh, Dallas Baptist, solid right. guy. But I want to bring up Cannon Handy uh, just because he has a sweet name. Yeah. Cannon with a K and Handy uh, out of from Utah, out of Colorado Mesa, which you don't see a lot of that. I mean, kind of do with the Rockies. Hey. They love their, yeah, they're natives, right? Uh, I took big... some courses at CM <laughs> when it was called Mesa State. 
There you go. <laughs> see? So just bring it back to the family, I guess. Uh, big left-hander, 6'3", 210, uh, D2 baseball. So take what it is. Don't have a lot of data on him. Uh, but he did go seven innings with 13 strikeouts in one game this year, 88 strikeouts in 64 innings. I don't really care what level you're at. If you're still striking out at that rate, you're still doing what you need to. Um, he did pitch 100-plus pitches twice this year. So he has that longevity in the arm, can do it. The data, again, still sketch, but high, sitting around high high 80s fastball, um, low 90s. It's got a 80s slider and then a high 70s changeup with it. So two or three pitches that he can work with uh you got to root for the colorado guys got to work with them as they go up and it just might come in handy as we move forward uh, yeah, <laughs> all right i'll allow it <laughs> uh see and there were so many cannon puns available to you for a guy who throws there were all of the cannon puns available and you snuck in with the handy oh, how good is that all right <laughs> Uh, we're running low on time. I'm going to have to have you guys back. I think probably uh, right before September would be a, a really good time to talk again before maybe some of these guys are going to get called up because I do want to do some minor league talk, but you're under the gun where, where we've only got a few minutes. Just want, uh, like you mentioned your guy, but some sleeper, uh, Rockies fans listening to this know the top prospects. So from each of you, I want just one. I know that's tough, but somebody outside of the top 15 or maybe even 20 guys Rockies fans to know about I'll go first uh I gotta again shameless plug but Hunter Stovall is fantastic uh he's a grinder he filled in for Tovar last year at double a and was putting just up similar numbers as what Tovar was doing before going up there he's hit or miss on the Albuquerque roster each day just because there is so many more talented guys in front of him but he is a grinder he was shipped off the Rockies brought him back in um, plays middle infield, can play left field if you need, and possible catcher. Hunter Stovall, though. He's a dog. Yeah. All right, I like that. Uh, Tyler, who you got? I got to go with Evan Justice, and if you're one who's been following me, minor league transactions, he went from high A to triple A so far this year. He's now in triple A, and, you know, the early showings have been good. He has really great stuff on the left side, kind of like we talked about Sean Sullivan. It's a lower slot. I don't know if it's quite sidearm, but ton of break on the slider. Uh, a an explosive fastball. I think he's going to be a Rockies reliever within within a calendar year, but hopefully a lot sooner than that. Fantastic. All right, guys, where can everybody find Blake Street Banter? Your your own stuff. Give the shout outs. Twitter Blake Street Banter uh, Street St. Uh, find us there. We go live every day, uh, every Monday for our minor league pod. Um, find us on the YouTube. Just look up Blake Street Banter. We're going to show up. And Tyler, plug yourself, dog. At is rocks with an X. Don't rake. It's an unfortunate negative tag, but I've been sticking with it forever. Don't want to change the identity. So I say that's how I knew you originally. We've been following each other for years. So yeah, it's fun to, to finally get together and, and have this conversation, man. And like I said, phenomenal job this season. Hopefully many more to come and, and I'll have you back for sure. Appreciate it, Drew. Thank you. Thank you, Drew. Thanks again to Tyler and Aaron. That was a whole lot of fun, and we will definitely have to have them back to have more and deeper conversations about the minor league system, drafts to come next year. I should probably try to get them on as a pre-draft preview so we know a little bit more uh, around these parts about what's going on on the day of. I just wasn't quite able to get my draft coverage together this year, and so I really appreciate those guys for essentially doing an episode of their show on my show to educate me 
and all of us. So do make sure that you're following them on Twitter at Blake Street Banter. Uh, and that you can find everything at BlakeStreetBanter.com too. They've, they've got all their social stuff. The podcasts are there. You can find them on YouTube, all that good stuff. But just an excellent, excellent resource for Rockies fans who want to stay up to date on everything that's going on with this organization before these guys get to the big leagues. So thank you all. Uh, thank them again. Thanks to them. Thanks to you. Thanks to everybody. Just a whole lot of thanks out there. Uh, it, it's always nice to just get to talk Rockies baseball with some people and have it actually be about the baseball. You know, that's always fun. So thank you as always for listening to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all of the written content over at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.